You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. And good morning or good afternoon to everyone out there here listening live on Pet Life Radio's live call-in show, Ask the Best with Dr. Jeff. I'm your host uh, for the next 30 minutes here on Pet Life Radio. And um, we're here for you. We're here for your pets. We're here to answer your questions. We're here to give you the that veterinary advice that otherwise would cost you lots of money. And, um, and it's free. All we want is a, a call-in, and it's free because uh, we're here. Thanks to our sponsors, Kong Veterinary Products. Phenomenal stuff. you got to ask your veterinarian about Kong Veterinary Products. Uh, makers of Comfortis and Trifexas, that's Elenco Lily. And uh, great flea products. My pets happen to be on Trifexas for fleas and heartworm alike. Uh, ProSense Pet Products, the veterinary quality products that you can buy at your local mass retailer. No need to spend the extra bucks. And, of course, Save This Life Microchip. And um, we will be having coming up uh, in the next several weeks, Chance White from Save This Life, just to talk about microchips in general. Interestingly, I had a – and this is just a quick segue when it comes to microchips. You know, we uh, our U.S., United States, was the probably the last country when it comes to microchips to switch over to what we call the ISO system. And that's the new system. And that's the international system. And, of course, us being probably the most advanced or, you know, uh, veterinary and, and pet care place on the planet was the last one to jump on board. Even our neighbor, neighbors up north in Canada, they switched like four or five years before we did it. We were the only country that did not have ISO standards, which was pretty embarrassing. The reason for that is as pets travel, the scanner frequencies are only going to pick up the certain microchips of that frequency, and they are phasing out the old frequency chips. So what's going to happen is it's very possible that your pet will have a microchip, one of the older frequency microchips, and we're going to get to someplace, uh, I don't know, abroad, and they're going to scan your pet and not be able to read your microchip. So I just got, it's interesting, I uh, had a, I, I work with a lot of rescue groups, and here we are, 2016, we've been ISO now for over a year, pretty much all of the microchip companies out there have been now using the ISO chips, they, they are no longer manufacturing scanners that could read the old chips. As a matter of fact, they will tell you on the paperwork, if you're traveling abroad, that it, it's okay to have the old microchip, but you have to bring your own scanner along with you. And I say, all right, let's, let's look at it this way. Is it better to spend three or 400 bucks on a scanner so you can travel that once a year or for 50 bucks or 35 bucks or whatever it is, but get another microchip. So uh, t- choice is yours. And uh, some people say they've had horrendous things. You go online to Dr. Google and you're going to read tons of terrible stories about microchips causing all this cancer. I have been doing microchips for years. I was one of the first ones 25 years ago that was working with one of the original microchip companies and promoting microchipping as a form of permanent identification. And I have yet to see one in my well, my 25 years of microchipping and working with microchip companies, seen one problem, one, one cancer, one microchip failure, etc. cetera. Uh, occasionally, we always scan the chips before we implant them because sometimes you're going to get a bum chip. That happens. But once it's in there, I've never seen a problem. Anyway, having said that, 
I was amazed. This rescue group, rescue group, no less. Well, we know how they feel about pets, and they don't want to unnecessarily stick a second needle into this little cute puppy that they just adopted out. And sure enough, so the owner walks in, wonderful new family for this new cute little puppy with a microchip that is the old standard. And I'm thinking, I can't believe it. It was. Is it not, I would probably tell you that most rescue groups are getting their microchips either for free or at cost. I mean, literally a few dollars. And instead of just junking their old microchips, because they're really worthless, they're going to be totally worthless. At least some of us have microchip scanners now that can read the old chips as well. We call them universal scanners. But to do that was insane. So I said to the lady, I gave her the options. I said, look, we can implant this, but you might, you know, if you travel, especially travel abroad, you're going to need to have microchip. Not only that, in time, all of the shelters that are often given the microchip scanners by the microchip companies, which I applaud them for doing so, are going to only have the new microchip scanners. They're only going to read the new chips. So you're going to have your brand new puppy. Here it is, 2016, chipped with an old standard chip. And 50% of the rescue and shelters and vet hospitals out there are not going to be able to read that chip. So remember, if you are getting a microchip, which you should be getting, and we'll talk more about this when we have a chance, I want you to make sure, ask your veterinarian, is this the new ISO standard chip? One way to tell is very simple, and that is the old standard was alphanumeric. That means that the chip number had numbers and letters, and there were 10 total digits. Whereas the new chips are actually 15-digit all numeric. So if you see a really long microchip number, that's all numbers, then that's probably ISO. But make sure you want to check. Anyway, so Save This Life, also one of our sponsors. And uh, before talking about what I want to talk about today, and I want to hear from you. So I'm going to give you a couple of options to call in because this is a really important topic, and it is cancer. Um, the number is 877-385-8882. Pick up the phone, 877-385-8882. We'd love to hear from you. And another thing you can do is if you log on, as I'm clicking on right now, to the Ask the Vets tab on, you go down to shows after, on PetLifeRadio.com, click on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, and you will see a Pet Life Radio Today's Google Hangout link. And all you need to do, real easy, is just to... Click on that, and you can join us live here. Have your cute little pet in your arms, because if you have that camera on your computer, we get to see it as well. And you can also just enter, ask a question live on this link. Again, it is Pet Life Radio. Go on to Shows and scroll down to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. So before getting on, I wanted to just uh, go over. I love to to scan the news, and um, this one you're going to love. This one you're going to really like. Hollywood, Florida has finally followed a lead that many cities and municipalities across the country have already done, including here in Los Angeles, and that is banning the sale of commercially bred puppies and kittens in pet stores. Let me read that one again. Hollywood, Florida, congratulations to them. They are banning the sale of commercially bred puppies and kittens in pet stores. So the only pets that will be sold in pet stores, and many of we see many of those here in L.A. because we've had the ban for a while, that is these are shelter or rescue dogs that are taken in, pulled from the shelter or the rescue by these stores, cleaned up, trained. They look adorable. They are so cute. Um, and interestingly, I got a call from a, an animal, a, a charity. It's a fundraiser, and they're doing a live auction, and they want to auction off a puppy. 
And I did this years and years and years ago with them for a few years. And the, the pets we got them at the time were the, the you know, this was before having all these rescue groups and, and these great ways to get really healthy, cute, adorable puppies. And they were puppies from a local pet store. So I, uh, she called me and I said, I, you know, I just have to tell you, we're really not getting these pets anymore from pet stores. And we truly really don't like to encourage privately bred dogs Unless, of course, you have a particular reason to have a certain particular breed that you like, and that's okay. But do your homework and make sure you pick the right breeder, a breeder who's not doing it for the money only, but actually doing it for the welfare of the breed. There are a lot of unscrupulous breeders out there, but there are also a lot of really good ones. Anyway, and this lady said to me, oh, that's no problem. We'd love to have a rescue dog. I thought that was so cool. So I'm going to get a nice little rescue puppy, and they'll be able to auction it off, find a really good family, and I have taking care of some of these dogs because that's part of the deal is I give them a free year's veterinary care for their new pup. So that also ensures for me that they're taking good care of their pup. So uh, anyway, I thought that was pretty cool. Also, I want to, he's been on the show before. I think we're going to have him again. My friend, Dr. Ernie Ward out of North Carolina, who is uh, sort of a, the director of the pet obesity and prevention center program here in the States. He just is now pushing to actually officially recognize pet obesity as a disease. And interestingly, the American Medical Association for us, for people, did so in 2013. And it is a disease. It's actually, we say, I always, I've always said it. It's the number one nutritional disease affecting our pets is obesity. 58% of cats and about 54% of dogs in the U.S. are either overweight or obese. That's huge. So, that would be really good because it'll get a lot more attention if it's going to be certainly considered a disease instead of just a condition because it really is a disease. Otherwise, in the news, Illinois found a rabid bat flying around someone's living room. So I don't know if you live in places there are bats, but we know that bats are often carriers of rabies. And so if you do live in an area where you have bats, then make sure – I mean, you need to do it anyway – it's by law, your pets, your dogs and cats have to be your outdoor cat. Well, your outdoor dogs and cats for sure. Dogs across the board, states like here in California, we don't have to vaccinate cats for rabies. But there are many states where even cats need to be vaccinated for rabies. There's a really great special vaccine that I use for cats that need to be vaccinated for rabies. Our outdoor cats, I, I recommend it. And um, anyway, you should make sure because bats do carry rabies. Here's a sad one, but the dog is good, so don't worry. But a Labrador Retriever pup was outside and got stuck in the middle of a swarm of bees and was stung over 150 times. The veterinarians pulled out over 150 stingers. Fortunately, the dog is fine. And here's one that just to be careful of, again, I, I, I'm, there's no comment on the company. I think it's a great food company and the responsible thing to do. But one of the varieties of a blue buffalo food it is the life protection formula, and it's fish and sweet potato. Had to be recalled because of mold. So we don't want our pets ingesting molds. So again, just if you have that food, this report just came out. Uh, make sure to bring it back to the retailer. That's the Blue Buffalo Life Protection Formula, fish and sweet potato. You might want to bring it back and get a store credit or just exchange it for another type of Blue Buffalo food. And one last thing as we are getting, now we are... One month away from July 4th, that we should make sure that if you have dogs that are freak out, we call noise aversion, 
then think, talk to your veterinarian about Saleo. It is a new oral gel. We talked about it last week here on the show that has uh, amazing success in helping treat these dogs that are freaking out like crazy because of thunder, lightning, fireworks, loud sounds, cars backfiring, etc. And, you know, don't think it's no big deal. First of all, yes, we know we've talked about this from a behavior standpoint. Some dogs do it and they do it because of the attention we give them. Oh, you poor baby. Come here. Sit with mommy. Sit with daddy kind of thing. And they say, oh, wow, this is pretty cool. All I'm doing is getting a little nervous and shaking and hiding under the couch and I'm getting all this great attention. But stress, true stress does do a lot of bad things to the body. And if these dogs are really stressed, it is a problem. So talk to your veterinarian and think about that new Saleo. So when we come back, we are going to talk cancer. I've had, I mean, some terrible, terrible cases lately. And uh, it just brings up a lot of questions. I realize from the questions I get from my pet parents about their pets with cancer that you probably are having a lot of the same concerns, a lot of the same questions. And uh, so when we come back, we're going to talk about cancer. Don't go away. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. It's hard to find time for your furry family member. That's where Camp Bow Wow comes in. All-day play and overnight camp, daycare and boarding for dogs. Everything is included. Large play areas for fun and exercise. Spacious cabins, comfy cots, even live camper cams to watch from a computer or smartphone. Camp Bow Wow offers the best care and is the place to go where a dog can be a dog. For locations and more information, visit CampBowWow.com. We mature handsome types need a little special attention. Does your dog suffer from joint and arthritis pain? Deteriorating muscle and joint problems are very common in aging dogs. It's easy to alleviate your dog's discomfort at home with ProSense. ProSense joint care products can help make your dog's life as pain-free as possible, providing effective relief for flare-ups and also lubricate and strengthen damaged cartilage. ProSense products are veterinary formulated and recommended to ensure the very best for your pet. Try ProSense today. Your dog will thank you for it. Pets love life. Love them back with ProSense. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Begging to hear more of your favorite show? Full episodes of all our shows are available on demand. Go to PetLifeRadio.com to fetch our entire lineup of possum pet podcasts. Also, dig us up in iHeartRadio Talk and iTunes. Let's talk pets. Live and on demand only from Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com And welcome back. You are here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, your host on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. Um, so before the break, we, we went through the news. I always like to peruse and see what's kind of new and exciting out there. But I wanted to talk a little bit about cancer. 
You know, one of the great things about being in practice for a long time uh, is you build up terrific relationships, not only with the pet parents, but also with the pets. I have some amazing patients that I think adore me as much as I adore them. And when you're doing this for a long time, however, these pets get old. And one of the diseases that we see, uh, I mean, incredibly high percentage of animals, old dogs, old cats, are going to develop some form of cancer. And I know when you think cancer, you immediately think, oh, my God, it's a death sentence. And though many cancers can't be cured, but many can be treated and controlled, I just get so much fear and anxiety in the clients when talking about cancer, the big C word. And I really just wanted to set some things straight. Number one, age is not a disease. So we know that pets that develop cancer are going to be usually older. I mean, I, it's, I've said so many sad stories. My own dogs, my own two of my Labradors, I have five dogs, and two of them, my black lab, who's now 15, and battling a particular cancer called mast cell sarcoma. And mast cell tumors are very, very common, especially we see them a lot in certain breeds, but my labs, I mean, always. His first mast cell tumor, which I took off when he was four, and that is very unusual. It came back 11 years later. Now he's 15. I removed it again, and now they're starting to come back in the same area, and we are working with him. We are treating him. Is his quality of life still great? Absolutely. Does he still want to eat? He's a lab. Of course he wants to eat. And my... Yellow Lab had a lesion on his abdomen. I thought it was a scratch. The dogs are fighting. They're playing. It turned out to be mast cell cancer. He was three. Now he's almost five. That was two years ago. So young dogs and cancers. I remember when I was in school, when I was on the, my oncology rotation, and one of the first cases I saw was a, I think it was like 10-month, 11-month-old golden retriever puppy who came in with this mass on the side of his face, and it was a fibrosarcoma. It was huge. And this poor guy, radiation, they did everything, had to be put to sleep. So it wasn't even a year. I mean, but again, that's not the norm. The norm is cancer is an older pet disease. But just because your pet's old and gets cancer, just like with any metabolic disease, liver, kidneys, whatever, you're not going to say, well, God, you know, he's 12, he's 13. That's a life cycle anyway. Let's just say goodbye. No, there's so many factors that you have to look into. And age is certainly a condition we have to deal with. It puts us into a different situation. It might change our thought process. But just because a dog's a certain age, I don't think should give you or anyone the green light to say, okay, let's just put him to sleep. I mean, again, multifactorial. There are so many other things we have to consider. Quality of life being first and foremost. But what I typically would do is... When I have a dog that I diagnose cancer, we need to find out what kind of cancer. We need to also see what kind of condition the dog is in general. We need to also find out if the cancer is spread. So you have a basic testing that needs to be done called the baseline data of blood, urinalysis, x-rays. So if I have a dog with the cancer, the first thing I want to do is know how are we doing otherwise. Forget the cancer for a second. Do bloods. Are the organs functioning? Is this dog in good shape? When I did surgery on my 15-year-old lab, am I nuts? I'm going to do, put a, a 15-year-old dog under anesthesia to take off something that I know is bad. Why not just wait it out, and then when he gets bad, put him to sleep? Because he was fine. His bloods were perfect. Took x-rays of his chest. No metastatic disease. Liver ultrasound. Nothing going on. So I'm saying, well, he's fine. Why should I not give him the chance to try to beat this? 
And, of course, we need to find out what type of cancer it is. And that's for a number of reasons. We want to know not only has it already spread, not only is our pet in good shape otherwise, but what type of treatment would be the best treatment for this type of cancer? Is it a only in the skin and it's a, a surgical disease? Maybe just under the skin is in my dog's mast cell tumor. So there are many tumors that could be actually surgically excised. Is it something that might be amenable to radiation therapy? And many cancers are very sensitive to radiation. And the limiting factor, of course, is going to be where in the body, because it might be the cancer is a good cancer for radiation, but not in the spot that it is. And also for many of us, it's the expense. They are doing now, there's a, a veterinary radio oncologist here in town in L.A., that can do, it's sort of like the, the, the gamma knife. It's, it's high dose, very, very pinpoint radiation straight to the source. They stereotactically determine where and, and the, the beam and how strong, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I think it's five treatments, whatever. You ready for this price tag? $13,900. So I, of course, know that for many even though they, their heart is there, even though they want to do it, even though the pet can handle it, they just don't have an extra 14 grand sitting around. But the treatment options are out there. Other cancers seem to respond to chemotherapy and still others a combination of all three. You want to do some chemo. You want to do, well, surgically if you can, radiation. Now, it used to be that we used to do surgery to remove what we could and leave the rest to the other modalities, be they the radiation therapy or chemo. But now there are some theories out there that if you have a cancer that might be a good candidate for a surgical resection, but it is just too big to be able to get the margins that you want, now, in many cases, we will go and send these dogs in or pets in for radiation therapy or even start some chemo to shrink the tumor to make it a better candidate for a surgical excision. So what I'm doing right now for my dog, he did great with the first surgery. We had him on some meds to try to slow the progress down. Now it's starting to come back again. I have him on a stronger medication. But to look at this dog, and that's why the key is you have to, I always do it with any disease, with anything. The first thing I do is observe this patient. You can learn so much from looking at your dog's attitude, how willing they are to go on the walk, how much the tail wags when they see you, how well they're eating. And of course, the rest of the you know body. If you have two dogs and one, they're both exhibiting the same signs. And one, you take your bloods and you do your x-rays, no metastatic disease in the liver or the lungs. Bloods are perfect. And the other one already has mets, already has spread to liver. The kidneys and liver are affected now. Dog then clearly is going to start to not act the same because of the other organ involvement. That's a different, totally different. You got you two of the same breed, same age, and you may treat them totally differently. But the take-home message here is I don't want one to think that just because they hear the word cancer, that it's time to part ways, part company, send your pet over the, that proverbial rainbow bridge. Because many of these dogs, we are the advances in cancer treatment have been so great. I had a, uh, a dog that came in recently with a cancer. The guy was bummed. The, the dog looked like hell. It was terrible shape. These nodes were everywhere. It was a lymphosarcoma. We started treatment and this dog now is doing great. Now, is it going to do great for the rest of his life? Uh, is it going to live its normal lifespan? Is it going to have a great quality the whole time? No. We know that, that the certain cancers we can get into remission, and then they come out of remission. Some could be rescued. The rescue treatments to get them back into remission are often much more aggressive. 
and therefore also much more costly. I, let me just also just put it into perspective, just talk about cost, because it's so many of the drugs that have been used by manufacturers. One in particular, it's chlorambucil. It's Lucaran is the, is the trade name. And uh, little two milligram pills. I mean, these things are teeny. And if I tell you that I just found out that to get a bottle of Lucaran costs over $1,000 for, a, I think it's 30 or 50 pills, whatever it is, it's ridiculously expensive. So many of us, and this is what you can talk to your veterinarian about, that if we get to the point where we need to do something like that, a lot of these medications can now be compounded to bring the cost down a lot. So you might, the popularity of compounding pharmacies is growing dramatically. And one of the things you can do is talk to your veterinarian about getting some of these very, very expensive drugs compounded. So anyway, if you have any questions about cancer, if you're nervous, if you have questions about whether you should or shouldn't proceed with treatment, what can be done, what the outcomes are, and your veterinarian doesn't help you out or doesn't or can't refer you to a specialist, feel free to get a hold of me here at Pet Life Radio, Dr. Jeff, that's Dr. Jeff at PetLifeRadio.com. Anyway, thanks for joining me. I know it's a sad topic talking about cancer, but we are really made a lot of advances in helping these pets uh, get through their cancer, which then will help you as well. Once again, thanks to our sponsors, Kong Veterinary Products, ProSense Pet Products, Lenko Lilies, Comportus, Trifexis, and of course, Save This Life Microchip. And we will be here. Well, I'm actually going to be um, gone for the next two weeks. Uh, you will be hearing some really good stuff, follow-ups on, on uh, some of our repeat episodes. But I will uh, be back uh, in uh, three weeks live here on air with guests. I'm not sure which guests yet. Oh, by the way, I talked about getting... Uh, Dr. Stanley Corin on, who is the veterinarian, the, the, excuse me, the behaviorist, who uh, did the study on hugging, and he's agreed to be on our show. So uh, that's going to be a really good one. We'll keep you posted. All right. Have a great week, everybody. See ya. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.